Hey, football fans, DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SOS for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SOS, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. What's up, sons and daughters? It's Sam Jesse back with the crew from the locks of Saturday. Chris, Brett, and Ed are joining me tonight for week six of college football. Fellas, how are we feeling? Big slate last weekend, kind of uh, mediocre from my standpoint. I know some people had good weekends, some people had bad weekends. It was tough. Last weekend was tough. What we're picking is tough. So you got to think about it like that. I feel like my season record is just atonement for picking USC as my college football playoff dark horse. So uh, I apologize to everybody out there. I, I should have known better, um, but I'm going to pick it back up. I, I had about a, a month to think things through and uh, I'm ready to get going. Yeah. Chris, you are in the tank right now. You and Mike are both tied for second to last place at nine and 16 Ed eight and 17 against the spread buddy. What are you doing over there? Yeah. These aren't exactly games that, uh, I would bet on my own personal card most of the time because, you know, we're picking the picking the tough ones, picking the big ones. But, uh, you know, that's still no excuse. Got to step it up a little bit. It is the, a bit of fans, luck involved. I was going to say the fans need to take the kind of George Costanza approach to it. So everything that we say, do the exact opposite and you'll have an absolute heater. So that, that dynamic might be in play. After this week, it, it very well may be the best strategy going forward. Fade locks of Saturday. Is that what we're going to make that, that thing? Well, Brett, Fading we don't want to certain f- members of the locks of Saturday. <laughs> yeah, members. Brett, we don't want to fade you. You're sending a 15 and 10 against the spread. Robert, yeah. who, who's not with us tonight, uh, is on his first year anniversary in the Caribbean. Which, I mean, it sounds okay. I'd much rather be sitting here talking college football with you guys, but he's sitting at 14 and 11 on the year, and yours truly is sitting at 13 and 12. So looking good on the lock show, I'm doing a whole lot better with the the tough games that we're choosing to pick than I am with the uh, what should be gimme games on my own personal card. But we digress. It's been really fun. We'll see how it shapes up. A lot of football left to play. We'll have the article up on sonsofsaturday.com that will have the scoreboard as well as a graphic with all of our picks for you to reference. And as always, please keep hitting us up on Twitter. It's been awesome. All the interaction. It's been great. It's really helped us you know, interact with you guys who are listening out there. And that number continues to rise week over week, which is awesome. Fellas, let's get right into it. And what better way to start than with an absolute barn burner in middle America. Penn State is plus two and a half going to Iowa, Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City, one of the great venues of college football. This game will be at four o'clock on ESPN. The over-under is set at 40 and a half, just 40 and a half. Guys, this is a major, major game in terms of college football playoff implications because if a team loses this game, I don't think the Big Ten is necessarily good enough. Maybe Penn State could get in there with wins against Ohio State and Michigan, but Iowa certainly with Wisconsin being down, Minnesota being down, going to be tough for the Hawkeyes. 
Penn State plus two and a half at Iowa. Brett, kick us off. We just talked about picking a tough game. Boy, do we have a really tough one here. Um, this is going to be an absolute barn burner, I guess would be fitting for the middle of Iowa. Um, I mean, this game is just going to be your typical Big Ten game. Just knock down, drag out two solid defenses with a with two offenses that have really haven't shown me a whole lot this whole year. Um, obviously, the under 40 and a half is extremely low, but I'm still going to go with the under here. Um, I also like Iowa at home. I think I'd pick Penn State if they were at home. I was gotten some notoriety for how rowdy their stadium is, and especially with the hospital right there. It's become a big deal to play there now, and it's become a spectacle now to really play at Iowa. So um, I like Iowa here, uh, minus two and a half. It's going to be a tough one. I mean, <laughs> like uh, I'll let somebody talk about it later, but I could see this easily being a something zero game with a field goal. So I will uh, I'll pass that on to the next person to talk about. So I like Iowa uh, minus three, well, minus two and a half, sorry. Yeah, you know, this is a really tough game to pick because I think mano a mano, Penn State might be a more talented team than Iowa, but it's really tough to pick, really tough to pick because yes, Iowa's a really tough place to play. Last time Penn State was there though, they did beat Iowa in Kinnick Stadium and Penn State has been phenomenal against the spread recently. 8-1 against the spread in their last nine um, they are nine and zero straight up in their last nine games. They're five and two against the spread in their last seven against Iowa. Uh, and like you said, the under, the under is 10 and one in the last 11 Penn state road games. So this is a team defense travels. Penn state has played really good defense. They've played really good football for the past 10 games or so. Similarly, Iowa's been just as good six and one against the spread in their last seven, 10 and zero straight up in their last 10. Uh, they have looked really good this year and turnover luck has been a big part of that. Now we say luck with a bit of quotations, it's a podcast. You can't see me doing quotations, but they have forced a lot of turnovers and it has completely changed the outcome of some of their games this year. The thing that I think makes the biggest difference other than the home crowd, when I mean, we talked about how much better home teams are doing this year than road teams, Penn state EPA per rushing play, which again, expected points added per time that you rush the ball as compared to an average offense is negative 0.11. So they're losing a 10th of a point basically every time they run the football. That's not good at all. That is abysmal. Iowa's defense is number seventh in the country against the run in EPA. Penn State, a little bit better EPA per pass. They're sitting at a, getting about a third of a point ex- added, expected. They're getting a third of a point over expected every time they throw the ball but they're going up against the number 14 pass defense in the country in Iowa. I don't think Penn state's going to be able to run the ball enough to challenge the Iowa defensive front. And they have enough talent to lock down on Dotson and the Penn state wide receivers. I like Iowa minus two and a half. And I like the under as well. Very much could see 20 to 14, something like that in this game. Moving on, uh, kind of continuing the the sentiment that you know this is going to be an ugly, low scoring game. Uh, I do see it. I was joking early before the podcast started that this is a three zero kind of the winner kicks the last minute field goal kind of game. So uh, avert your eyes in terms of wanting to watch in this case watchable college football. Um, so in a coin flip game, I'm looking at Iowa minus two and a half. And as a home team, this line is actually skewing to favor, I guess, Penn State as the better team from a Vegas betting perspective. Um, And I'm not sure that's necessarily the case. These teams look exactly alike. 
And I, I was kind of thinking to myself, this is like the epitome of that Spider-Man meme when both of them are kind of pointing right at each other because they are. They, they are so balanced across the board in terms of matchups. So you have to dig into some of the more advanced stats to see any sort of differentiation like Sam pointed out. So if that's going to skew your, your thinking, definitely go in that route. But um, for me, I'm going to go with just the overall trends of each team and how they performed in this case. I'm looking at Iowa since 2016. I like to use at least a five-year sample size, and that tells me kind of where the program is at. And with a minus two and a half margin, I know we're against the spread here, but you know this is probably going to be a straight-up type game, like a three-point margin. I think it's right at the right point. Um, so Iowa since 2016, straight up as a home favorite, 23 and four. So that's 85% straight up since 2016. And Penn State. It doesn't happen often, but as a straight up away underdog, which they are in this game, two and five. So 28.6% uh, straight up. So if you're thinking that this game is actually going to be something to where Penn State can't lose, but still cover. So they're basically going to basically lose by one or two points, uh, which I don't think is likely. Um, go with the straight up type trends in here and go with also, I think Sam alluded to it earlier. National trend, home favorites. They're doing really, really well this year. It's up from last year. It's around 72% for home favorites straight up against, excuse me, straight up. Uh, that's up to 77%. And that might actually increase as well um, as you're looking at week over week kind of improvements in that stat. So um, in a plus or minus three against a spread margin, just go with the home favorite, go with the better performing home favorite team. That's Iowa. Uh, I don't think there's much marginal, excuse me, excuse me, much of a difference between these two teams. It's very marginal. Uh, so the value here is just take the better home team and just kind of hold your nose and watch the game and, and wait for that last minute field goal. Yeah, I'm also on Iowa here. Um, the home field thing, I think, is huge in this game. And I, I, I'm going to kind of go back to what I saw in the Penn State-Auburn game, you know, in Penn State, the whiteout, the whole deal. And Auburn fought and really had a, had a decent chance to win that game for most of it. So I'm going to, I'm going to assume here that Iowa is going to be able to take that home field advantage and run with it. I also think Iowa's defense is fantastic. They were, they caused nightmares in college park last week. Uh, Maryland did a lot of things to, you know, shoot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. But um, a lot of that was inflicted by the Iowa defense and something that I'm, I'm still just not there on Sean Clifford. I'm having a hard time having my head around that, like him being decent. Um, so I'm going to go with Iowa's defense and home field advantage to get them over this line here and win the game. Certainly a tough game to pick, but I'm kind of surprised if we're all on Iowa. It is really tough, and Penn State has looked good. And Penn State's not a team that loses a lot of football games. You know, whatever you think of that program, whatever you think of Sean Clifford, they don't lose a lot of football games. So definitely be an interesting one and one that the nation will have its eye on in Iowa City. Let's go from one game that probably won't have a lot of points at all to one game that should have a whole bunch of them. The Red River Shootout. I, I know it's technically called the showdown now, but to me, it will always be the Red River Shootout. Oklahoma is minus three and a half in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas against Texas. This game will be big noon Saturday. Kickoff on Fox over under is set at 63 and a half. Oklahoma has been reeling, but... They're still undefeated, and they still control their own destiny in terms of the national playoff picture. Guys, what are we thinking for the Red River shootout? Man, I, I've stopped betting Texas a while ago. I, I feel like if I pick I pick Texas to cover, they don't cover. If I pick Texas to cover, or if I pick Texas, the other team to cover, 
Texas covers. Like I just can't win with them. They 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 are on my hit list. Like I, for some reason, I I can't bet with them at all. But for the sake of the podcast, I'm gonna go with some stats. Uh, Longhorns four and one against the spread this year, and the Sooners one and four. They're five and zero, oh, but they don't feel five and zero. Oh. It's like they, Nebraska was hanging with them, you know, for way too long. But Nebraska looks better than I thought. My under six with Nebraska on the side thing. I'm not sure that's gonna happen. They've really improved after that week one debacle, week zero debacle against Illinois. Why is Texas obviously they've looked bad? At, they looked only really bad in one game, which was Arkansas. But Arkansas obviously. Maybe a bit fraudulent of a top 10 team after what happened last weekend down in Athens. But I still think they're a good football team. And I think that Texas went in there and just was not ready for what Arkansas and the momentum they had going for them. That being said, but but Texas defense couldn't stop a nosebleed that day. And I think they're going to have a tough time. I think Oklahoma, they got to wake up at some point. No, I think it's it's coming soon. I don't know when. Um, I feel like this is the time to do it. It's the Cotton Bowl. It's their biggest game of the year. It's the Red River Red River Red river rivalry excuse me i I think i'm just gonna it's hard to bet against lincoln riley even though they're against the spread they've not done that well this year um but i think i'm gonna go oklahoma just because at least if texas at least if i pick them to cover and they don't i'll be less pissed off than i do if i pick them to not to pick them to not cover and they do um that just makes me even more mad with them so i'm gonna go with oklahoma here i think rattler i think he's got to step it up i think this is the game for them to do it um just a couple of stats that I was reading also. Uh, the over has gone over has gone over in Texas's five of their last seven and uh, Oklahoma's four of their last six. So I really like uh, the over here. But Oklahoma's also two and seven against their last night against against the spread against Texas. So I mean that might lead you to believe that Texas will cover. Texas is improving. Bijan Robinson obviously stud. He people are falling in love with him more every day. Um, but I'm on Oklahoma here. I think they finally wake up. I mean, they are always going to be a sleeping giant. They're always, they are a giant. There's no sleeping to it. Um, I think this is where they wake up finally and get back on their uh, wagon, I guess, and get through Texas. I think you mentioned the guy that this game is entirely about, and that's Bijan Robinson. Now, Absolutely. he was my preseason pick to win the Heisman, and he is statistically on his way for a Heisman campaign. Statistically, he's there. And I think. Steve Sarkeesian, who has a knack for unlocking those running backs who can run with power, they can run with speed, and they can catch, like those real NFL guys you draft in fantasy, he has a knack for using those guys maybe better than anybody in the country. And he has unlocked Bajon Robinson. The issue with that coming in and why I think this, you know, why I think this game is so up in the air, and I think you're seeing a lot of money going towards Oklahoma, is Oklahoma has been really good against the rush defensively. Uh, EPA per rush, they're number six in the country uh, with teams losing almost a quarter of a point. However, Oklahoma's pass defense has been horrendous. Number 114 in the country using the same EPA metric. So this is a team who you can pass on all day, but you cannot run on, which doesn't seem like it's good for a team that wants to run the ball with a Heisman running back. However, what Steve Sarkeesian is so good at doing, he did this at Alabama with Najee Harris, and he's done it throughout his entire career, is getting his running backs involved in the passing game. And that is something that Oklahoma cannot stop. They cannot stop a running back in the passing game. Kansas State almost beat them because Deuce Vaughn single-handedly went off. He had 10 catches for 104 yards. Deuce Vaughn's a very, very good player. 
and the leading rusher for Kansas State as well. I know he's kind of a running back, running back wide receiver hybrid guy. Same thing happened when Oklahoma played Nebraska. Ramir Johnson, a guy who doesn't have a lot of receptions, he had three receptions for 48 yards. He didn't get targeted that much, but when he did, Oklahoma was not close to stopping him. I think that's the difference in this game, and I think Texas scores enough to keep it close, and I would maybe think about Moneyline for this game as well with Texas. It's at plus 140. It's not a huge value. Neutral site, 50-50 crowd. I think Texas is a better team than what we think they are right now because of the loss to Arkansas. Outside of the loss to Arkansas, Texas has been really good. I like Texas plus three and a half. They're seven and three against the spread in their last 10 against Oklahoma, just like you said. And Texas's last seven games straight up, they're six and one against the spread. So this is a team that has been good against the spread. They've been good against the spread in this matchup. And I think that they have a matchup nightmare for Oklahoma. So I'm going to go hook them horns, Texas. Sam, I'm, I don't know if this is the kiss of death. Um, and, and if the locks trend should tell me anything, I should just ride Brett in terms of his picks uh, going forward here, but I'm not going to do that to Brett. Uh, I'm not going to just put the stink on, on his spread picks. Uh, I'm going to put them on yours. Uh, so I am also taking the Longhorns here. And you you both kind of weave the narrative there. And I think this is fitting for what this game is going to be. So I looked at the over-under. Um, the value actually might be better placed on putting the under because I do think that the value is betting against the efficiency of Spencer Rattler and what you've seen in the trend in his game log as the attempts have actually gone down, his air yards per attempt are actually down. And that is tied to something that I don't think Oklahoma can really fix. And that's their offensive line. Uh, it is bad across the board and they just don't have the personnel this year to also marry up with what they've normally had, which is you got these transfers in coming in at the quarterback position. They're, they're there for basically one year to get put through the Lincoln Riley Academy for first round draft picks. Um, number one overalls. And that's not Spencer Radler. He's kind of grown up through the program and they're just at a moment where they just don't have all the pieces put together. Uh, but one thing I do see is Texas with Sark is going to amend a game plan to be able to beat the other team more so than Riley, who wants to beat the other team by throwing the football, even though Oklahoma might be a better running football team overall. Uh, so it's kind of the style points way that they want to win this game. And I think forcing it on that side through the past game is going to come to Oklahoma's detriment. One of these weeks, I think this is that week. Um, the other thing that came up and I haven't really tapped into it this year is the sharp college football. Uh, you go into the actual tracker and you look at the comparative tool and you look at all the different metrics going down and normally you kind of get bits and pieces of information, one team being more explosive in certain avenues than others. And that's great. For me, I also look at what is the actual Vegas spread versus what the sharp spread is. And normally they're kind of within a few points and that can give you some details. But what raises a flag for me is when it's massively skewed in the opposite direction. So right now, Texas is plus three and a half and sharp. I think I have it here. Uh, let me get to my notes real quick. Uh, the sharp spread is actually Texas minus 7.67. Um, so plus 10 points is a bit of a tell. So for me, the value and my eye test kind of seem to marry up on this one. And 
this is the first week I'm kind of going through a, a different process. So I'm trying to junk everything that I utilized before, which is mostly looking at national trends. Um, going with my gut here, I do think Texas money line is pretty tasty on this one. I'm not willing to put uh, a lock on anything here, but I do think the value is on Texas plus three and a half. Yeah, guys, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm kind of all over Oklahoma here. I, and I, I get what you guys are saying about, you know, tech, I do agree that Texas is not as bad as I think the public thinks they are. You know, everyone's been kind of conditioned over the last few years to be like, oh, Texas is back. Just kidding. No, they're not. And I think it's kind of like a running joke in people's mind at this point. Um, I don't think that they're like not back or anything. I just think Oklahoma is more talented. The deficiencies on the O-line are concerning for Oklahoma. But I think uh, the more concerning thing that jumped out to me when I was looking at this game is the uh, very uneven quarterback play from Casey Thompson in Texas offensively. Uh, I think Oklahoma is going to sell out, stop the run and be John Robinson because he's an absolute weapon. Um, and he's going to be, you know, one of those first or second round uh, rookie types in fantasy football next year. You're totally right, Sam. But I, I think Oklahoma sells out to stop the run and dares Casey Thompson to beat them. I uh, don't know that he'll be able to do that. Um, Coaching-wise in this one, I actually might give the edge to Texas and Sarkeesian. His his issues are well-documented off the field, but on the field, he's kind of a mastermind. Um, he, he's able to you know really dial some stuff up offensively with play calling and scheme. Um, but I don't know if they're going to have enough to to keep up with Oklahoma on this one. I, I also kind of like the under here. Um, I don't know that either offense is as good as we all think they are, but I think – if Texas is going to cover, they're going to win, and I don't know that they're going to win, so I'm going to go with Oklahoma to cover three and a half here. Uh, I feel a lot better about it if that half point wasn't stand there, but I'm going to go with Oklahoma three and a half. It's always a really fun game to watch, and it's it's one of those like it's almost a college football holiday, right? Like Oklahoma Texas at noon, those colors in the Cotton Bowl. It's it's one of those things that I know I have every single year, and I love. Them. Like I know it's it's going to be there and it's always going to be a good game. And it doesn't matter how bad Texas is or how good Oklahoma is, it's always a toss-up game. So I love that. And I am I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. I like the over in this one actually compared to Chris. I I think this game could get a little wild towards the end. And you could see kind of a backdoor cover for the over. Let's move down south to the SEC where these two teams will be playing in a few years, two or three years, give or take. We'll, we'll find out soon enough. This is the CBS game of the week, so cue the theme music. Georgia is minus 15 and a half at Auburn. This game, like I said, on CBS at 330, the over-under is 46 and a half. Georgia is coming off just an utterly dominant win against Arkansas. And Brett, We've talked about this online. We've talked about it offline. It just seems like Georgia and Alabama are minor league NFL teams right now, and everybody else is just a simple college football team with a bunch of kids running around. Does Auburn keep it close? Uh, The short answer, no. Uh, I don't think Auburn's better than – I mean, I don't think Auburn's better than Arkansas. I just – I don't see it. I get that it's – uh, at Auburn, I get that. Maybe they're giving, you know, three to four points for that, and that would make it even with the Arkansas spread last night. I mean, last week. I just don't see it, guys. I mean, after what I watched last week, I couldn't believe it. Arkansas, I even teased Arkansas to 21, and nothing happened. I mean, literally nothing. And you're telling me that Bo Nix is that much better than K.J. Jefferson 
I don't see it. He made one spectacular play that's like, you know, the men in black. You know, I wish I had the little men in black, like little flasher thing, you know, that makes he makes you forget how bad he actually is. And he's not that he got benched against a bad, a, a bad G5 team. Onyx is going to, I mean, and Auburn's offensive line is not good either. LSU last week is just bad. I'm surprised Orgeron's made it. I'm sort of going to be surprised he makes it through the year, honestly, especially the way they're playing. So I'm just going to say right now, I don't think he does. I think he's yeah. he, he's fired towards the end of the year or at the end of the year. They just lost Derek Stingley today, who's their yeah. best player. I think they're done. So go continue. I think that 15 and a half is reflecting what happened at LSU last week, but LSU is just not good guys. I mean, they're not. And I think the SEC in general is kind of a toss up besides, besides Georgia and uh, Alabama. I mean, when you have those two teams, I mean, just take away from them, from the college football, you know, scope in general. I mean, the rest of the SEC this year is kind of, uh, you know, I mean, Ole Miss has looked really good, but they got put back down to earth. Arkansas, we thought they had a chance, you know, to go down to Georgia and really, start something crazy. They didn't even, it didn't even look like they were on the same level of play. I mean, it was insane. And I think Arkansas is quite a better football team than Auburn. I really do. I think Auburn Harson is doing better than I thought he would in year one, because I thought that was a panic hire. I, I'm not really sure. He hasn't unlocked Bo Nix at all. People thought he was going to actually get his potential. No, he hasn't. If anything, Bo Nix has actually gotten progressively worse since he's been a freshman. So here, I mean, this is my lock of the week. Georgia minus 15 and a half. I, I don't see it. I mean, I literally cannot understand why this line is so low after what happened last week. I just don't get it. And I like the under two. I think Auburn, I think Auburn has a legit chance to score maybe 10 points. And then Georgia puts up, you know, 31. This goes 31 nothing, 38 nothing. They put their they throw their uh backups in just like they did last week and see ya. Auburn has played one tough team this entire year. They went and they played at Penn State, which is a very good defensive team. They scored 20 points. They are now playing, I know it's at home, but they are now playing a defense that statistically at the end of the year might be the best in the last decade and maybe even all further time. back than that. Like, oh, no, no doubt. I mean, all time. I mean, this is this is an all time defense. Yeah, this is insane. Their defensive mm-hmm. line is literally getting. Guys are getting triple teamed and they can't stop them. It's ridiculous. And I, I don't like Bo Nix is a much better quarterback at home. Like at home, Bo Nix is a good quarterback. On the road is where he struggles. This game is in Jordan Hare Stadium in Auburn, Alabama. And I think that's the only thing that I have making me even consider taking Auburn plus the points here. But I can't do it. Like I think what you're seeing from Georgia right now is something different. It's, it's like, they are in such a different stratosphere. Offensively, they they can score 45 a game. Like the teams that were so good for Georgia defensively and for Alabama, then even going back, you're looking at you, you know, even some of those like really, really dominant Ohio State games teams, they had a bit more flair, but like Georgia can just decide to go I formation, run it down your throat, and still score 45 a game. I don't think. Auburn can handle that for 60 minutes. Uh, I'm taking Georgia too. I'm going to lock it in because I, I I don't think it's close. I really don't. I don't see Auburn physically handling Georgia for that long. I, I just don't. I don't see anybody in the country outside of Alabama having a shot. Doesn't Georgia look like, like, you know, every year it's like, it seems like they're kind of holding on, you know, they barely beat South Carolina. It seems like every year it seems like they're holding on 
like, you know, each week, almost like what Oklahoma looks like this year, but they're still good. Not the case this year. They just look like Kirby Smart. It's just a different vibe around this Georgia team. It's just like, we're going to go out there and beat the living crap out of everybody we want to play. I love it. And I love that you teed this up for me so well, because I didn't even let you know the kind of background research I did for this game, because that's where my mind instantly went. It's not necessarily thinking about this game. I'm picking Georgia minus 15 and a half running away. Also, Sam, cue the thing, lock. Oh, guys, this is not setting up to go well. (laughs) This is not setting up to go well. Carry on. my mind went to what am I watching right now? And I, I love that you said that this is historic level type of defense that we're looking at. Granted, five game sample size, but also that's half a season pretty much in college football. So I kind of went into the well and I thought, what are the best defenses kind of in college football, at least uh, not necessarily, oh, I guess of all time, but the ones that I could find in terms of the outliers uh, that stood out and what happened with those teams. So um, I, I kind of took the cutoff uh, at around like the kind of early 1970s. But before that, I can only find one registered defense that was on the same level. And that was back in the 1930s. So I'm not going to include them. So my list was nine. Um, so not necessarily a full top 10. But uh, I have the 71 Cornhuskers, Nebraska, 79 Bama. I have Clemson, 81, Miami, 87, Alabama, 1992. Uh, excuse me, I missed Washington, 1991, Michigan, 97, 01 Miami in 2011, Alabama. These are all elite. These are all basically in their year, they were the version of the 85 Bears. And that's why I wanted to kind of understand is, are we watching another Georgia performance where they're kind of like the 85 Bears? Um, So let's look at the performance of those teams across the board. Average yards allowed for those defenses, 219.8 yards per game across the board. I think the lowest one was 180. The highest was like 240. Uh, Points allowed, average 8.8 points per game. The lowest one being Alabama 1979, 5.6, and the highest being Miami 10.4. Shutouts, average two and a half shutouts per year. The most shutouts was in Bama in 79. Apparently things were going really well in Bama in 1979. That was a great defense. Um, and the lowest one being one shutout, because guess what? It's really tough to shut teams out in college football, including garbage time and the way, especially today with modern offenses. But here was the thing that stood out to me the most wins, 110 losses, one. I'll put it out to the crowd here. Could you guess what that one loss is for all of those elite defenses? Just give you about a, a jeopardy five seconds. Cue that music. If you can find that role. Let's cue the Jeopardy music. That's that's copyright infringement all over the place. Guys. <laughs> uh, so wait, can you rephrase the question really quick and give it about five seconds? Yeah. Uh, of the defenses that I listed beforehand, which was the one responsible for the one loss for a total record of 110 wins and one loss? Is it 01 Miami? No. All right, I'll go ahead and bring it up here, but it was the one loss was 2011 Alabama, nine to six in overtime against LSU. That was that famous, just ugly, ugly football that was game that ended up being the rematch uh, of the national title where Bama basically just didn't let LSU move uh, from their spot. I think they just spotted the ball and then they didn't even allow them to move forward. Uh, but the big thing about this is every single one of those teams won the national title. Um, 
So we always think about that recent Saban quote where he's like, if you don't have a modern offense, you know, that that's kind of, you're, you're fading away from what it is. But in this case, Georgia has dominant defense because right now uh, they're averaging 180.6 yards per game. That would put them third on that list and points allowed 4.6. That would be number one. They already have two shutouts. They need one more shutout to be greater than the historic average. Their average spread after the Clemson game, because I believe they were actually an underdog in that game, believe it or not, their average spread that they faced is 26.6 points, and their average margin of victory is 43.8 points. Uh, If you're looking at the entire five-game sample size, they are 205 to 23 in terms of points for and against. And if you include every single game, their average margin of victory is 36.4 points. Um, Not only that, and this will cap it off, um, the big kind of spread difference in sharp football versus the normal kind of Vegas betting average. This line was at minus 15 and a half. Uh, sharp has it at Georgia minus 26 and a half. So sharp is onto something as well. I think this game is a blowout. Uh, I don't think Auburn stands a chance. Um, and I just don't think that Bo Nix can pull kind of miracles out of his butt and miraculously win this game or even do anything to really kind of keep it close. Um, and, I feel pretty confident that those words are not going to come back to haunt me to just make sure that we don't zoom forward through this next week and don't let those words actually come back to haunt me, but uh, give me the dogs uh, minus 15 and a half. War Eagle. I'm just going to open it up with that. Uh, you guys are doing the whole like game day thing, you know, the memes where, Oh, everybody on game day picked one team. They're going to lose. And I'm, I'm riding with that logic here. And, Early in the day when I was doing my, you know, research for all this stuff, uh, the line, I believe, was at 14 and a half, and it has since moved to 15 and a half. And at the time, I was sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, well, that half point's giving me hesitation. I know I should pick Georgia here. The fact that that line's just going to keep ballooning up until kickoff, I don't know, man. I, I, I can't see it. That environment is going to be insane. Bo Nix has, I believe, the longest streak in the country without throwing an interception. Uh, which is something that's really hard to believe when you, you know, you hear about the rhetoric around Bo Nix on, you know, social media and stuff, but he doesn't really turn the ball over, um, knock on wood. And I think that'll be a huge part of this game. If they're able to hand the ball off to Tank Bisbee and Jarquez Hunter and not turn it over to the Georgia, back to the Georgia offense repeatedly, uh, the way a lot of teams have really enjoyed doing this year with Georgia, including Arkansas. Um, I don't know that I agree with Brett necessarily that Arkansas and Auburn, I mean, I think if, if anything, Auburn's a little bit better, but they're probably mostly comparable, but Arkansas never had a shot in that game. They came out completely shell-shocked, had no chance from Jump Street, and it was over before it had even really started. Um, I think if Auburn can weather the storm in the first quarter, quarter and a half, I'm not, I'm not really sold on JT Daniels won if he can even play. He hasn't been throwing in practice this week. And I'm definitely not sold, sold on Stetson Bennett. Um, you know, cool name, cool guy, but I, I don't know what to tell you there. He's, he's definitely not a uh, a Heisman front rider. Not that Bo Nix really is either. Um, but Bo Nix is better at home, hasn't been turning the ball over. They got two good running backs. Uh, if they can keep not turning the ball over, and shooting themselves in the foot, I think it, I think it's going to be really hard for JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett or whoever they throw out there to cover this line. Now, that being said, Georgia's defense could cover the line by themselves. 
So it really is important that Auburn not turn the ball over and whether that first couple minutes and first couple drives without just handing it to Georgia, which is something Arkansas was not able to do. So I'm going to go with Auburn at home here to cover by, by a little bit. Um, I don't necessarily think that they win this game or it's, you know, ever in doubt, but I think 15 and a half and whatever the line ends up being at the time of kickoff, I think Auburn's got a good chance to cover that. Jordan Hare stadium is known for some crazy magic and Auburn has a tendency to, to do things like this and at least make the game close. It's not a night game. It's a, you know, kind of late afternoon game. So it doesn't really have that like Jordan Hare at night feel where that place can get crazy, but um, it's been wild. I just wanted to pull up this stat. It's been circulating around Twitter. There have been four teams in college football history. Well, since 1950. So in modern college football that have scored 200 plus points and allowed 25 or fewer points in their first five games in a season. 1956, Oklahoma, 1979, Alabama, like we mentioned, 1993, Florida state and 2001, Virginia tech. Three of those four teams went on to win the national title. Georgia is currently doing that right now. I will say this. Let me ask you guys this. Like, Go ahead. what does Georgia remind you of the most? Because to me, when I'm sitting there watching them and I'm watching their defense just absolutely dominate everybody and their offense just kind of, you know, do their thing, win physically at the line, but not really, you know, you know, scare anybody. They remind me of Alabama before Nick Saban realized, oh, I could go recruit quarterbacks, couldn't I? I mean, that's what this seems yep. like to me. Like, wh- what is, how is Georgia not landing, you know, these studs? And now I know we're going to get the Justin Fields memes, but like, it, it's insane to me that those are the quarterback options for these guys right now. Like, a transfer and Stetson Bennett are the two quarterback options for the Georgia Bulldogs. Like, how is that possible? They have this amazing defense. And then they just have all these question marks on offense. It's unbelievable to me how that works. They, the quarterback is really the only thing. I mean, they have some receivers, they're young, but they're like some studs on receivers that they've had. They're all, they're all like freshmen and sophomores. So like, but like you said, if they can get a solid quarterback in there, I mean, they're going to be here to stay, but uh, yeah. You just guaranteed Arch Manning committing tomorrow. Yeah. Back to your stat about Virginia Tech. If you, Side note joke. If you think our offense was bad now, geez, only one not to win national championship in 2001 with the best defense, second best defense of all time, essentially. Jesus. Yeah, Virginia Tech lost uh, four of their last six in that season. Yeah. Including two, probably the best college football team of all time, 2001. Grant era, wasn't it? Yep, that was the one year with Grant Knoll. Um, Virginia Tech was a really good team, and they got they had that game against number one Miami. It was in Lane Stadium. It was crazy. Miami pulled it out just at the very end. The one twenty six twenty four. You would have gone to win the national championship. You would have put any other quarterback besides Grant Noll in there. I'm pretty sure Virginia Tech <laughs> would have been okay. If if Mike Vick stays or if Brian Randall is playing that year, yeah. But uh, that was twenty years ago, guys. Come on, move on, move on. Well, guys, it's not only an awesome season in college football so far, it's an awesome season in the NFL as well. And DraftKings Sportsbook is your home and the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And we are ready to kick off another action-packed week. DraftKings is giving new customers $150 
instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Guys, this is awesome. I, I did it this weekend. It's so much fun. Just free, It's free money and you don't have to have rollover. You don't have to win three times the amount of your bonus money or anything like that. It goes straight into your cash account. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now place a bet of $1 on any week one game, any game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If the sports book is unavailable in your state, that's okay. You can still play along with DraftKings for huge cash prizes with the daily fantasy contest and free shots at millions of dollars in prizes. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code SOS to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code SOS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 rager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, guys. Let's take it out west for a real fun game. Late night, Pac-12, after dark. There's no way this is a boring game at all. Stanford coming off a major, major upset against number three, Oregon. They are plus 12 and a half traveling down to the desert to play the Arizona State Sun Devils. This game will be on ESPN at 1030 p.m. Over under is 51. Brett, I, if it wasn't for Tech Notre Dame having a late kickoff, this would be my game of the week to stay up. It just seems so much fun. Yeah, it does seem fun for guys that like to stay up late and watch Pac-10 or Pac-12 football like Sam. But uh, this is this is a tough game for me. I don't watch a lot of I don't want watch a lot of West Coast football. I try to stay within games and teams that I actually watch a lot during the season, just because I don't know. I just feel more confident in doing that kind of stuff. However, I'll say obviously Stanford coming off you know a program defining win essentially. I mean I would argue this is a just as big of win as it was when they upset USC. You know with Jim Harbaugh. When was that? 12, 13 years ago, 2000, but that was a 2009, maybe it was, it was a 28 and a half point spread. I remember that. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but I think Oregon just isn't as good as we thought. Crystal ball owes Irby money. Uh, that that's what he said. So this is a tough one for me. I think that's a lot of points. I think Stanford is actually not that bad. I thought they were going to be like one of the worst teams in the pac 12. Um, but they actually have turned out to be pretty solid. Both teams pretty solid in the last uh, last few games against the spread. Stanford six and two, um, but Arizona State six and one straight up in their last seven games. So and they're they're both these teams are looking pretty solid. But Stanford crazy stat here: Stanford five and zero against the spread in their last five games on the road. So that to me is kind of a pretty glaring stat. And I don't think Arizona State is like some huge environment i mean kind of crazy i mean it's the middle of the desert kids like to party i'm not even sure they really care about football um and half their school is online um i think arizona i don't they're like this sleeping mess that's gonna happen at some point i don't know when it's gonna happen i don't know if they're like they're not gonna get the death penalty or anything with all the offseason issues that they had um i'm really surprised that they're four and one they're two and three against the spread in the last five um i'm on stanford here just because it's a lot of points and it seems like this could be a trap game for them at Arizona state. But I think they're Stanford is a more consistent team, even though they're three and two. 
Um, they have more consistent quarterback play. This is obviously somehow Stanford wrangled in a five-star quarterback. I mean, granted, if you want a good education and you just want to play football, obviously go to Stanford. I mean, no question about it. Maybe that's how you wrangle a five-star quarterback in there for an average football team. But, uh, yeah, I'm on Stanford here just because I think the spread's a little too big for me. Um, Arizona State, I think, I think they're like kind of like the UNC of the Pac-12. They're all glam, no grit or whatever. Gucci, no grit or whatever people say. Um, it's uh, grit over Gucci is the same. I think Arizona State's like that version in that conference. They have like sick colors, sick uniforms, but they just perennial eight and four team. So I'm going. I'm on Stanford here. You know, I don't hate. I don't hate that logic, but I hate it. I dislike it enough that I'm going to pick Arizona State. And I think Arizona State is a team that came in with a lot of expectations, and then they had a tough game at BYU at night. We say this all the time. You don't just walk into Provo at night and come out with a win. Arizona State certainly didn't do that. And then they've kind of played so much better since then. Last two games since the BYU loss, they've played Colorado and at UCLA, outscoring those teams 77-36 to combined. Jaden Daniels, a premier NFL talent at quarterback, really awesome guy. If you have not seen him play, watch him play because when he is on, it is fun to watch. He has an 89.1 offensive grade on PFF. That's number 17 in the nation for quarterbacks. Considering who he's played, he has played, you know, at UCLA is a tough defense and at BYU is a tough defense. Considering that, he's done a phenomenal job. I think this is a game where you see Arizona State continue to hit their stride, continue to play a little bit better. And they're going to be one of those teams that all season, they're just going to slowly rise up the rankings. And I, I think this is a game, Arizona State late night, they're going to take care of business at home. Arizona State's 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six against Pac-12 teams. Stanford's not a good defensive team. Doesn't bode well. I think Arizona State wins in a high-scoring game. I have them minus 12 and a half. I'm going to go back towards Stanford on this one. I agree with Brett. Um, and, and really, if you look at the actual team grades right now, there's actually no real, just if you dig into it, I would say outlier or piece of information that shows that Stanford is as good of a team as Arizona state is uh, just by how the actual phases of the game, offense, defense across the board and things are grading out on PFF. And then you actually watch the games themselves and you just come away unimpressed overall with Arizona state. And then you look at this line and I think it started at 10 and a half of 10 and it's starting to balloon up. And I believe the public's perception is just Stanford is just not that good of a football team. But I do think that they're at least competent enough. And Arizona State is not a powerhouse enough to cover double digit points at home in an environment that, I mean, Brent hit the nail on the head. It's not necessarily a tough home environment. Um, it's a party school, but what, you know, it, it's a it's a SEC level party school without an SEC football team. Um, so that that's kind of what I see Arizona state as, and I just don't see anything really special other than just the quarterback who can run. They have a good kind of overall rushing offense and that's kind of it. Um, but if, if that's kind of your bread and butter, um, Stanford coached by David Shaw, they've always been just kind of a sound tackling solid kind of muck it up uh, uh, type football program who apparently this year is just kind of their sole, I guess, 
reason for existing in the Pac-12 this year is just to ruin the entire Pac-12 chances of having somebody actually come up and compete on the national college football playoff stage. So um, I'm going to go with Stanford Cardinal and the uh, points in this one. Um, I do think it's going to be a fun game if you're going to stay up and, and still be able to kind of keep your eyes open towards the very end of it. Because uh, I do think this one probably will have those kind of like weird moments, Pac-12 after dark uh, kind of sentiment. Um, I, I it, it wouldn't shock me if Stanford just straight up won this game. So I would look at the Stanford money line, which I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but I'm sure there is some value. Sam, if you got it, um, definitely throw it out there. Give me the points, um, uh, and and I'm sorry, fade a Herm Edwards coach football team because I just don't know if they have that much of a dominant program to be favored by almost two full touchdowns. Agreed, fade Herm Edwards. Stanford is plus 360 on the DraftKings Sportsbook right now, money line. That's tasty. That does not stink. And the line for this game yeah. actually – as excuse me, as we've been talking, the line on DraftKings Sportsbook right now is at minus 13 and a half. I'm not sure if that changes anyone's picks. I, I think Arizona State wins handily. You guys seem to think that Stanford can cover this game at 12 and a half. So you certainly think that they can cover at 13 and a half. Ed. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same boat here as Chris and Brad. I'm not going to hammer this any further. Fade Herm Edwards. Uh, I don't trust Arizona State at all. Stanford is historically a better program and they're playing some decent football. I think they can cover the spread, not necessarily guaranteeing a win here, but I definitely think they can cover the spread. All right. Well, let's take it back to the East coast and guys, we haven't talked Virginia tech football in a while. We have talked a whole lot of Notre Dame. I think we said before this, I don't think we're going to pick Notre Dame anymore. We've picked them three straight weeks. Guys, the fighting Irish traveled down to Blacksburg. These teams seem to play each other every single year for the past like six years. This is a massive, massive game for the reputation of Virginia Tech, similar to the way that the North Carolina game was. However, Virginia Tech's main goal for this year is probably to win the ACC Coastal. This game has no repercussions for that whatsoever. Still, it feels like this game is a must-win in terms of if you want to take that next step, if you want to continue to grow, if you want to build off of the big UNC game at home. This is opened up as a straight-up pick'em. It is now moved to Notre Dame minus one. Looking on Twitter and certain, you know, national, uh, you know, national pundits picking this, different advanced analytical formats. Every single one of them has a close game, and almost every single one of them has Virginia Tech winning outright. But we aren't big national pundits, guys. So who do you have in this one? Notre Dame minus one. At Virginia Tech, game will be on ACC Network at 7.30. Over-under is set at 47. Brett, kick us off. Doesn't that just suck when, like, we don't know if we're actually good at all and everybody still picks us? Like, like, that gives me, like, false confidence and false hope. And I'm like, I guess these people aren't watching the same team that I'm watching. Have you guys seen anybody pick Notre Dame yet? Not really. Not maybe just because we don't follow Notre Dame guys or anything. Maybe um, I keep. I mean, people are just saying Blacksburg night game. Pick them. Notre Dame was exposed last week. Um, it's obvious that Wisconsin is trash. I mean, like really bad. Like Wisconsin is not a good football team. And I think people were kind of looking at that and being like, you know, Notre Dame. What? Like, what are they? There's no doubt in my mind that I think Notre Dame had better players on the field in Cincinnati last week, but they still just couldn't get it done at home. But I think 
it all comes down to this game for sure. No doubt about it is coming down to Virginia Tech's defense. And especially if it's going to be raining, it's going to be in the trenches, uh, both sides of the ball. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Notre Dame's offensive line suspect is actually already past suspect. They've been arrested. They're not good. They, they're they not good at all. And Virginia Tech's offensive line still suspect. There's a warrant out for their arrest. Like They're kind of getting to the point where it's like they're bad. And it's going to be a battle which team can honestly hold the defensive line. Defense uh, can hold the defensive line out the least. I mean, I think the team with the most sacks wins the game. I'm going to say it right now. The team with the most sacks wins the game. And that to me, to me, I really think it's going to be Virginia Tech is going to have more sacks, but it's so hard for me to pick them just based on what I've seen this year. Offensively, they've done really nothing, honest to me. Even like in the big one against UNC, they did nothing. It was the defense. Um, you look at West Virginia, they did nothing until the very end. And in the very end, they did nothing again. Uh, Middle Tennessee State's a really bad, really bad football team. Uh, they didn't really impress me there. And then they, you know, play Richmond and just put salt on the wound and score only 21 points. It seems like Fuente, for some reason, in games like this, he can get the team up to play these, but not, you know, the FCS opponents. Um, do I think this is going to be like the last time Notre Dame came to Boxburg and it's going to be, what was it, like 40, almost 40 points? And we, what was it? I can't remember the exact score. It was like a 25, it was like 28, it was like four touchdowns. Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was something like 40, 17 or something like that. Yeah, it was like four touchdowns almost. I do not think that's going to happen for one because I don't think either team is capable of getting 40 points, much less am I sure each team in the rain is capable of getting to 17 points. I'm hammering the under here. That is my major pick here is I'm 100% hammering the under. I just, I'm going to go with Virginia Tech just because night game. I think it's just because I think their defense is better. That's it. I, if, if Virginia Tech can at least score 20 points, I think they can win the football game. If they can get 20, they win. But I think it's going to come down to whichever team has more sacks. That's going to be the team that wins the football game. And I think if Virginia Tech can produce a turnover too, I think they can win the game because I'm seeing every single team that's everybody that's picking Virginia Tech it's 21 20 23 10 even I've even seen things down to like 17 to 14 like it's it's like a it's going to be like the Iowa Penn State game much less talented teams but it's going to be just this knockdown drag out and it's going to be whichever team is most disciplined on defense Virginia Tech's last six games have gone under and last six games at home have also gone under so Virginia Tech has definitely been playing low-scoring football games recently, even at home. I this is a really, really tough game. Like this is a very tough game. I if this line was Notre Dame minus six and a half, Notre Dame minus five and a half, Virginia Tech feels like a much better play. And here's why Virginia Tech feels like a much better play. This actually kind of surprised me, but in the last 16 games in October, so basically, you know, most of Fuente's tenure at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is 12 and four straight up in October. And they are seven and three against the spread in their last 10 as an underdog. So, where Virginia Tech has struggled in some areas looking at this game, again, the awful, you know, awful record after a bye week, um, you know, terrible record when the game is plus or minus a, a three point spread, 211 straight up when the game is plus or minus three point spread. Virginia Tech has done well in an underdog role. And Virginia Tech has done well in the month of October when they have a few, three, four, maybe five games to go back and look at film. 
this team has actually performed pretty well. On the contrary, Notre Dame is one in six in their last seven against the spread in October. That is not a good sign. So we're, we're looking, and I guess I have a few more things here, but it's like everything is pointing Virginia Tech. If you look at the EPAs, Notre Dame's offense is atrocious. EPA per play, number 106 in the country. EPA per rush, number 123. EPA per pass, number 79. Keep that number in mind, number 79 and expected points added per pass. Virginia Tech is number 42 in that metric. As bad as Virginia Tech has been, Notre Dame has been astronomically worse. One thing that I also found really interesting was this thing called the Echol Ratio, which is it sounds very complex. It's really not. To boil it down, it's basically just how what percentage of the drives do you control versus the other team. So if you're on defense, do you shut them out? They go you know 15 yards and punt. If you're on offense, do you move the ball 30 yards, get a few first downs, something like that? Virginia Tech is actually fifth in the country in that ratio, uh, basically controlling 54.5% of drives. Notre Dame is number 56 in that ratio, 51.5% of drives. And then my last little nugget of team comparison on this, I, I wanted to look at how Notre Dame was as a second half team, because I think you know with the energy in Lane Stadium, with how this game could be close, it'll be a close game at halftime, basically regardless of who wins the game. So it's like, how's Notre Dame in the second half? Well, if we throw out a kick return and two interception returns against Wisconsin, Notre Dame only has a plus eight point differential in the second half with only offensive points. Virginia Tech has a plus 22 point differential in the second half with offensive points. Everyone thinks this will be a very, very close game. And that doesn't look good for Virginia Tech. Like we said, two and 11 straight up when the spread is plus or minus three points. That being said, Notre Dame is a really beat up team. They have injuries all along the offensive line. Mayer, who's their best player, he's their best tight end. He's an absolute weapon. He is banged up. He's day to day. We'll see what he's like. Brian Kelly says he will play. We will see how effective he can be. And even if he is out there, Virginia Tech has had a tight end stopper in Alan Tisdale since Alan Tisdale's gotten playing time. If you refer to the, uh, playing Hunter Long in Boston College last year, Alan Tisdale was phenomenal. That doesn't bode well. Not having an offensive identity playing a really good defense on the road does not bode well at all for Notre Dame. There is a clear path for Virginia Tech to win this game. Virginia Tech is at best offensively when they're using the intermediate passes, screen games, and running on the outside. That's when Virginia Tech is at their best. The issue is we haven't seen Virginia Tech really try to do that too much this year. It's been a lot of running between the tackles, even running just straight up the middle and either very short swing passes or trying to go deep. When they have gone deep, haven't been great. Braxton Burmeister doesn't have great arm strength or deep ball accuracy, and they have not been good blocking, especially in the interior of the offensive line. There is a path for Virginia Tech to win this game. And guys, I'm going to be honest. I have about three different times scratched out who I think is going to win this game. and who, and I I just don't know. I don't know who's going to win this game. But what I do know is that I'm not sure that I trust this Virginia Tech staff to go out there and win a game like this. I just don't. Like, I I don't. They have the formula that worked against UNC. Will it work against Notre Dame? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Help me out. Does, Does anything of what I said just make any sense? 
because everything points to Virginia Tech, which is why so many people are picking Virginia Tech. I'll carry the torch here, Sam. So it sounds like with that, if you don't trust the staff and it looks like you're going to lean on Notre Dame, I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't trust the staff. You know, we've laid out the analytical argument. We understand kind of where the pluses and minuses are on the side of football. Excuse me, but I'm, I'm going Notre Dame, by the way. Okay. For the purpose of Absolutely. this show, I'm going Notre Dame. Don't ask me tomorrow when this publishes. <laughs> no, I'm, like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why your intuition and why you should not trust this staff. Um, so uh, it's been said commonly, if you factor in bowl game kind of bye weeks as well as terms of uh, kind of the overall record, um, three and seven straight up after a buy. And this is all straight up. Um, it's a one point spread. This is a straight up pick. Um, so go ahead and feel free to do that. Uh, you know, do with that as you may. Um, but for me, it's the three and seven. Well, when did those three wins occur? Well, three wins occurred in the first year and a half of Fuente, um, UNC in 2016, Arkansas, 2016 and 2017 UNC. So if anything, Fuente should just be like a pinch coach that we bring in just to beat UVA and UNC. And then we put him back on the shelf and we only really utilize them for those matchups. Uh, but ever since then, uh, 2017, OK State, 2018, ODU, 2018, Georgia Tech, 2018, Cincinnati, 2019, Duke, 2019, Kentucky, and 2020, Clemson, 0-7 straight up after a bye. Uh, in that, those wins uh, to begin the Fuente era coming off a of bye week, average margin of victory, 31 points. And the losses... Average margin of loss, 17.9 points. Um, they just haven't been doing it. And that's the thing you, you, you mentioned, uh, having time off. Well, the problem is, is they had an extra week, not eight months. And so if this was the first game of the season, I'd feel pretty confident uh, with Virginia Tech and the staff's ability to kind of get them ready for this game. But the truth of the matter is, is they're not going to get them prepared for this game because what this team is doesn't necessarily match up either really well or well, it's at the margins. And that's where this game is going to have to be won. Um, so right now, Notre Dame presents probably one of the biggest challenges that this Virginia Tech offense, excuse me, one of the worst Virginia Tech offenses will have to face. Uh, if, so if you're thinking about the passing game, uh, VT's opposing coverage scores, according to PFF, UNC 84th ranked, Middle Tennessee 65th ranked, West Virginia 95th ranked, Notre Dame 9th. In terms of the VT offense rush attack, um, you're looking at kind of how they balance out against the Notre Dame defense. You know, our rushing attack is actually pretty bad, and our offensive line is one of the big reasons why it's not very good this year. Um, we're 86th and 78th in terms of run and run blocking, and Notre Dame's defense against the run, 25th. Um, if you're looking at some of those historical trends, they've been brought up over and over again in terms of how well VT has done um, straight up uh, as a home dog. 34.4% with a plus or minus three spread, 15.4%. Straight up as a dog, uh, not just not, not just at home, but just straight up, 36%. And then versus ranked teams, 33%. So you combine this entire just why you shouldn't trust this staff, you should just be circling all of these stats because at the margins, I don't believe they'll have them prepared to do what is required in order to be able to win this game. And I do think this line is skewed towards a pick them or if anything, a Notre Dame minus one. And that's just because the Cincinnati is just fresh in the heads of the betting public right now. And they think they got exposed. I do think that that's somewhat of a galvanizing point to be able to make the switch they do need to do, which is this Notre Dame team needs some sort of stimulus into their offense. 
that does seem to be the pine at quarterback who can at least move around, provided extra layer of mobility. Cone could not. They think this team is going to come in, not be able to respond well to the Virginia Tech night atmosphere. This is Notre Dame. You know, this isn't a mid-level power five program or a group of five program coming into lane for the first time at night. You know, the more experienced the team with the more kind of deeper into a national playoff picture type moments that you have, Virginia Tech doesn't necessarily offer that much of an intimidating environment. And that was proved out because Notre Dame came here before and beat Virginia Tech pretty handily. So they at least have a record of doing it. In fact, the only time that Virginia Tech has had success against another team was when Notre Dame was actually pretty bad. Um, so put that all together. It pains me to say it because I do think there is a path to victory. I just don't trust the staff to do it. And Sam, hopefully I made your argument of why you should not trust the staff. And that's that I just don't think they'll have them prepared coming off of the bye week, which should be an advantage. They just haven't proven in the last three and a half, four years that they can get it done anymore. So uh, give me the Irish. Um, I think they win this game probably by a touchdown. I'm also on Notre Dame for, but for, I mean, I guess not different reasons because they're coaching related anyway, but different angle, I guess. In my opinion, the only way Virginia Tech can win this game is if they turn Braxton Burmeister loose running the ball. Um, we've seen flashes of it, but it's really been kind of off script stuff. Uh, and his speed to just kind of, you know, get to the edge, get where he needs to be. Um, he's just so much faster than everybody else. It, it's baffling to me that they don't utilize that more. Um, I know that was a big talking point after the West Virginia loss. Why didn't he pull the ball down on some of those, what we thought were read options, but maybe they weren't read options. I don't care. They need to be read options and he needs to make the right read and take off and use his best weapon. Um, I think he's a decent passing quarterback. I don't know that his arm strength is as bad as people say it is. I think it's actually more of a touch issue that he's had recently. He's been overthrowing and sailing balls a lot, um, especially in that Richmond game. But I think the only way Virginia Tech can win this game on what will probably be a rainy, somewhat slow turf type field is with Braxton running. Because I don't really care how slow the turf is. That dude is lightning fast. Um, I, I don't know that I trust our O-line enough against their solid front defensively to open up holes for guys like Holston. Um, and honestly, really just Holston. I really hope Keyshawn King does not play in this game. I don't trust him to hold on to the ball whatsoever. Um, I'm, I'm good on Keyshawn King, but Holston and the offensive line, I don't know that they'll have the ability to open up those holes for him to run through. Um, I, I hate, I hate, hate, hate all these stupid little bubble screens and uh, jet sweeps. That's that's not going to work on a field that's going to be probably pretty wet and slow um, against, you know, athletes at the Notre Dame level that are legit. Um, overall, I'm going to go Notre Dame here. Uh, I think our defense keeps us in this game. I don't know that our offense can get to that 20-point threshold that Brett laid out there unless it's, you know, on a defensive type play, like a big pick or a sack fumble. but you know, in reality, our, our D-line has been okay. I wouldn't say they've been great. They were really great against North Carolina. I think they had six sacks that game. I think they've got to be in that five, six sack range here. Um, just really disruptive, making it really tough on whoever Notre Dame decides to throw back there at quarterback. But um, unless unless we really let Braxton do his thing and run the ball, but I think they're just too scared that he's going to get hurt. Um which opens up a whole different conversation that I'm not really willing to have tonight. So I'm going to go well, with Notre Dame here. I think the athletes there are too much and the inability to let your quarterback do what he's best at 
will come back to bite us in the butt. So I'm going to go with the Irish here. That circles back very well to this not being an ACC game. You have Pitt next week, which de facto decides the ACC Coastal fallout falls into place. So, you know, you're, you're worried about Braxton Burmeister's health and you're worried about the health of a lot of different guys on your team, but it does feel like this is a game where you have to just let Braxton Burmeister run around. Like that's what he's best at. That's his style of quarterback. Let him do that because he's done really good at it. And also he's not a guy who's prone to turnover. So it's not like he's going to go and throw three interceptions. That's just not how he plays football. It'll be a close game regardless. I hope I am wrong. I hope most of us are wrong, but it'll be a really tough task. All right, guys, some Virginia Tech prop bets real quick before we get into other games we like and then the game of the year, UConn versus UMass. Which, by the way, UConn-Vanderbilt was a phenomenal football game if you did not watch that. If you were joking on everybody, you missed out on a great football game. My jersey's on the way. I'm, I'm, I'm upset you're not wearing it tonight. I wish it was here. Didn't come in time. Uh, well, here's our first Virginia Tech prop bet, and we've been talking about it. Braxton Burmeister, over under 50 rushing yards, neglecting sacks. So NFL rushing rules. Over under 50 yards. Neglecting sacks. Um, I think Tech wants to win the game. It's going to be over. I think Burmeister's going to have to go over. That's just me. Am I thinking it's going to go over? Maybe, but that's the question. I'm going to go over. I think regardless if they win or not, he's going to go over because he's going to have to run in the rain. Yep. I agree that they're going to try to get him attempts in order to be able to get that to be over. Uh, whether or not they execute and actually pull it off is a different story. Um, I think if you're Notre Dame with your defense, especially their coverage capability, um, they're probably just going to be trusting the fact that you know, they're, they're likely not to get beat deep. So give us what you got. And I think that best that Virginia Tech can muster together in terms of a competent rushing game is by running Braxton Burmeister as the first option. Um, and then maybe balancing it out with some of the other uh, uh, backs that we have. And I don't think Notre Dame is going to be tricked by that game plan. I think they're going to be ready for it. Um, and so I, I, I just think he's going to be running laterally and behind the line of scrimmage more often than not. So give me under. Yeah, I'm going to go under as well. I, I don't know. I'm just going to go under on any Virginia Tech offensive prop bet. <laughs> also a very, very safe bet. You know, I, I think you could go over here because, and we haven't seen it as much. Again, he had like a 24-yarder against West Virginia on that third down, but he has the ability, like if he makes one guy miss, there's not a whole lot of guys who can catch him. So there's always that possibility of him breaking off a big run. So I'm going to go over. Um, I think that will be probably the number one key to the game is Braxton Burmeister running will be the difference. Second prop bet, Trey Turner had a big game last uh, last time out. Uh, he was targeted 10 times, had six receptions for 102 yards. Turns out if you throw him the ball, it, it works out pretty well. Over under nine and a half targets for Trey Turner. That is a stupid low number, but considering that North Carolina targeted six times, Middle Tennessee targeted six times, West Virginia targeted six times, Richmond finally targeted 10 times. Over under nine and a half targets. Trey Turner. Under. Under, yeah, no way. I, I think, I think whether under. whether whether permitting or not, under. I think Virginia Tech is going to have the same game plan against it against UNC because honestly, this North Carolina, I mean, this 
uh, Notre Dame team is similar in the fact this UNC team, not the UNC of now, but the very first game, I think they're going to look similar to how UNC looked in the first game. I'm also going to go under here, and that's mostly because the volume, the amount of offensive snaps that we're probably going to pull off is not going to be as high. Um, so I don't think that we're going to get a chance to even run probably 30 you know, pass attempts and 30 run plays to get like 60-ish type attempts. Um, I mean, they even said it this week, this is going to be a fight to get four to five yards. I can't remember the exact quote, but in order for Virginia Tech, uh, just because we know that they're not explosive to get down the field, it's going to be sustaining efficient kind of small, I should say efficient because that not necess- that's not necessarily an efficient way to get down the field on offense, but sustaining small chunk plays to get a full drive put together. I don't think they're going to be able to execute that. So I don't think the volume is going to dictate the amount of targets that Trey Turner would get nine. So give me the under on that one as well. Literally every competent and forward-thinking offense would target Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson both at least 12 times a game. At least. Like Trey Turner, I made this comparison on Twitter. He does not have the talent, but in terms of type of wide receiver, he's like a Keenan Allen type wide receiver. He's not super big. He's not super fast. But when you throw him the ball, he usually catches it. Like His catch radius is really good, and he can hurt you deep. He can hurt you short. He can hurt you intermediate. Why Virginia Tech doesn't throw him the ball more, I will never know. I will never know. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And like I said, I don't trust this team to do the sensible thing, like getting the ball into the hands of your weapons down the field, not at the line of scrimmage, down the field. Just run slant routes. It works every time in college football. Why aren't you running RPO slant routes? Why why is half of your offensive playbook gone? I, I don't trust them to get the ball to their playmakers. I'm going to go under, but it should be over and it should be over easily. I'm going to move on before I start getting off on another tangent. Uh, this is another offensive one. This is our last one. I found this one actually pretty interesting because you look at the running back room for Notre Dame, it should be stacked. Uh, you know, five-star guy from Richmond, Chris Tyree, and then Kyron Williams, two of the, you know, higher profile recruits in their respective classes, two really talented guys. They're only averaging 135.6 combined total yards of offense between them per game. Jalen Holston and Raheem Blackshear kind of have become the running back duo. Like we said, I don't think we see a lot of Keyshawn King in this game in the backfield. They have combined for 114.25 total yards per game offensively, not counting kick returns. More combined yards in this game, the Virginia Tech backfield duo of Raheem Blackshear and Jalen Holston or the Notre Dame duo of Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams. Notre Dame. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny that it's a trend that we're just kind of going against every single Virginia tech offensive one. But I think this one mostly depends on whether or not they actually do what we all think they're going to do. And that's put pine in a quarterback who provides that added rushing element. And they kind of skew away from the pass. And to me, that's the ultimate cure. If you have a sketchy offensive line, especially one that can't block for a very statuesque quarterback, um, against a team in Virginia Tech, we're good, not great in terms of pass rush. Um, comparatively, I guess, to Notre Dame's pass rush, I just want to make sure that putting that kind of element out there. But um, correct, if you're going to think of who's going to have more success running the football, 
give me the pedigree with the team that has proven to do it with a different element, a quarterback that's built around running the football with an offensive staff that's probably going to game plan accordingly in a game where the actual weather elements will dictate a rushing focused attack. So uh, all of that adds up and I'm, I'm sorry, it's just skewed more to favor Notre Dame. And that's actually, I, I didn't mention it during the actual rundown, but I, I think that's how Notre Dame wins this game running the football. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be Notre Dame. However, Kyron Williams was a projected Heisman winner and he has not looked that, in the slightest bit this year. Granted, the offensive line, big factor of why he hasn't, but he has been very unimpressive for me this year. It is a battle of two of the best pass-catching running backs in the country, and Raheem Blackshear and Chris Tyree. I think that could also, you know, if one of those guys gets loose, they're gone. So that could also be a big play waiting to happen and something that I would look for in this game is the running backs in the passing game. All right, well, that about wraps up Virginia Tech versus Notre Dame. What are some extra games we like really quick before we round it out with the UConn-UMass game? I'm excited for that one as well. What are some other games that you like on the docket this weekend? Yeah, I'll go really quick. Um, I really like Michigan minus three and a half against Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska, I think Brett alluded to this earlier, has been better since their week one or week zero uh, absolute debacle and train wreck. But Michigan's been solid this year so far. Now, that solid will eventually collapse um, probably in epic proportions against one of the rivalry games that they have to have for Harbaugh to stay there. But for the time being, Nebraska is not that game, and Michigan er, has been very good so far. Um, so I'm going to go with Michigan there, and then BYU minus six against Boise State. Uh, BYU is legit, man. They're they're pretty good, and I don't Boise State. This is not the Boise State of old. So I'm going to roll with uh, BYU, and that one is my two. I'll go ahead and chime in real quick. I only have two. I also like BYU a lot, so that should probably tell you something if Ed and I both like BYU in that one, but um, uh, he's correct. They're a really, really good football team. They're they're going to be the de facto, uh, was it Pac-12 South champions, um, and they probably should represent the Pac-12 this year if they continue doing what they're doing given their schedule. Um, so uh, for them to be minus six right now is a pretty good value because I just don't think the public really understands how good like BYU actually is considering they lost Zach Wilson last year. So continue betting the Cougars. Um, the other one, uh, it's not necessarily a higher profile game, but it's kind of still somewhat where there is a little bit of a, a lesser known. And that's where I'm finding a lot of value this year. It's just not necessarily the large publicly bet teams. Um, and TCU, uh, TCU minus two, I think, versus Texas Tech. Uh, they're on the road, uh, but it's within Texas. I don't think that's that big of a stretch of imagination that they know how to play there and beat them. Uh, I just don't think Texas Tech is a very good football team. Um, and for them to be minus two, TCU actually has a pretty solid defense. So uh, give me the Horn Frogs uh, minus two on the road versus Texas Tech. Random, but I like it. I got a couple. Uh, I like Georgia Tech minus four and a half against Duke. Uh, I think Georgia Tech is the better team. Duke is Duke. They looked after you know the crazy game with Kansas where they actually looked at their life, but it was Kansas, and then they got knocked back down to earth against UNC last week. Um, my actual secondary lock of the week uh, that's not on here, I would probably say this is more than Georgia, is Kentucky minus three and a half at home against the LSU. Yep. That is completely yep. Free money. Uh, I mean, they just came off a huge win against Florida. They're at home again in Lexington. They're probably going to get fined another $250,000 after they blow out LSU at home. Yeah, that's that line I, doesn't make sense. I don't know Easy why. money. 
Yeah. Easy. That's it, that's it, Vegas giving you a gift. Yeah, people are looking at it maybe as a trap game. No way. Kentucky's nope. a better team. They're actually nope. they're way, they're way better team. Not even close. Oh. Think of just how fast of a fall it was from 2019 to where we are 2021 with LSU and Ed Orgeron might not make it through this season uh, is amazing. And also just a perfect snapshot of the SEC fan bases, especially those at LSU and the expectation level there. It is the ultimate what have you done for me lately. So I would like to start seeing towards the end of the season as it approaches and some of these teams with higher profile coaches on hot seats, we need to start adding an element of, you know, not first coach fired, but next coach fired. Uh, Cause I would love to see uh, what that looked like for Ed or Jerron here. Yeah. I'm going to give uh, you a few ones real quick. Um, it'll be so tonight when this publishes Houston is only minus five and a half against Tulane. Tulane has not looked good since that Oklahoma game, Houston minus five and a half. You're going to want to watch Houston because they look really good again. Temple plus 29 on the road against Cincinnati. I'm not saying this is a letdown game, and I'm not saying this game is particularly close, but 29 is way too much, and Temple has covered the last five meetings against Cincinnati, and Cincinnati has been a really good team for a while, so something about that matchup, Temple's going to keep that one a bit closer than the experts think. Oregon State is minus three and a half. I love Oregon State. Ride Oregon State all year long. Keep riding Oregon State. They covered again last week. They're going to cover again this week. We talked about Michigan and Rutgers, uh, excuse me, Michigan and Nebraska. I think Michigan is just too good of a team. Nebraska, I think a bit inflated. Uh, Northwestern's a bad team this year. Uh, I know that was an impressive win, but uh, I wouldn't wouldn't buy too much into Nebraska. I know they've been playing better. Talked about Kentucky minus three and a half. I love that bet. Utah plus three at USC. Uh, Chris, I'm sorry. I am just saying this because I was real high on Utah to start the season, and then Charlie Brewer decided that he wanted to suck at football all of a sudden, so he's not even on the team anymore. And yeah, but this is the game that Utah turns it around. They're going to win four or five in a row, and uh, it'll all be it'll all be great. I will say one thing to keep an eye on. Just going to say it: this team is on my hit list. I don't bet them anymore. I tried to give them hope all year to do it. I'm not going to bet it unless it just the line just keeps going crazy. Is Florida State against North Carolina? Florida State is five and zero oh in their last five against North Carolina. At some point, Florida State's going to screw somebody like bad. I don't know when it's going to be. They're going to screw somebody, and it just feels like it could be this week again. They did it last year. Um, it's plus 17 and a half. I'm not comfortable betting it. Come Saturday morning, if I, my slate looks a little weak, if that line pushes 20. 600 it, money line. Yeah. Plus 600 money line. I Matt know. Brown, 0 and 10 against Florida State. Yeah. Yeah, and their last North Carolina, in the last five is against bad Florida State teams. Like, what? This is to so be weird. fair with the Mac Brown stat, most of those games are in the 90s. You know who else wasn't beating Florida State in the 90s? Literally everyone. Yeah. They like did not lose a game, they've lost like maybe five games from like 1990 to 2000. Ridiculous. So, that's a little bit of a uh, television stat right there. I'll put one last plug in because we do need to give homage to the sole team who is still flawless, undefeated against the spread in 2021. Can you name that team? Top of the head, no cheating. I actually, I, I saw this and I thought I had it, but I think it's Bowling Green. Bowling Green University, the fighting, the fighting Scott, Scott Lefflers. 
They are 5-0 and against the spread. They face Akron. I think they are actually two touchdown favorites at home versus Akron. This is a prelude to Maction. You would think that the likes of Georgia and some of these other kind of high-performing teams would be undefeated against the spread. They are not. Georgia did actually not cover the spread against South Carolina. They only won by 27. Uh, so they're one of the best second-place performing teams. Um, so continue the spread trend in terms of can they keep it going? Bowling Green minus 14. Just You just got to put one out there to see if they can get to 6-0. and The one undefeated team all season long. Come on. It's got to be one team. Something about brown and orange football in Ohio this year. Both teams are doing well. Oh, man. I love it. I cannot wait for action. We're going to have to do something special for action in November once that comes up. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, that all about wrap is, oh, wait, I can't say it. UConn, UMass, who who wins? UConn, UMass. I got UConn minus three and a half. Huskies. Yeah, Huskies. Go, I'm, go Huskies. They cover again. I'm getting a basketball jersey. I'm just going to keep buying merch. They keep covering. <laughs> Come on, UConn. If you want to raise funds, keep winning. All right, that'll wrap us up. Thanks, guys. As always, it's been awesome. Let us know what you're picking this week. Hit us up at Locks of Saturday. Show us your cards. We put our cards out there. You should do the same. It's a whole lot of fun. Guys, thanks so much. And Irby's not here, so is anyone going to cover for him? Go Hokies.